Welcome to Now on Netflix, the spooky edition. I'm Jessica Shaw, you in half. And he's Henry Goldblatt is everywhere. Not really, I'm Jessica Shaw, you may recognize me from Sirius XM, and he's Henry Goldblatt, and you may recognize him as executive editor of todoom.com. And we are indeed talking about Halloween programming because there is a lot of it. Hello, Henry. Hi, Jessica. So good to see you. And I'm so impressed with your spooky voice. I don't think my voice goes deep enough to make that happen credibly. Well, uh, I do appreciate your commitment to coming to record this podcast in your Dracula costume. <laughs> Henry, there is so much scary stuff, maybe some things that we've seen before. There's a lot of new things on Netflix this month. But before we get to all of that, I want to talk about some news that's coming out and some things that are coming up less terrifying and maybe more a different kind of thrilling and I want to start with The Crown because I have watched the trailer that just dropped about mm, I don't know 23 or 24 times already and this is the final season of course of The Crown it's going to be released in two parts the first four come out November 16th and then the final six episodes of the whole series out on December 14th. What do you know? Yes, this is the final season of The Crown, and it's premiering almost six years to the day after the first season premiered, which I thought was really interesting. And the final season is going to be broken up into two segments. The first four episodes are going to focus on the tragic death of Princess Diana in 1997. And then the second batch of episodes, which will be six episodes, are going to focus on the queen played by Imelda Staunton and her legacy. And you can expect to see another royal wedding in the form of Charles and Camilla, as well as the budding romance between Prince William and Kate Middleton. Oh my goodness. And the the new trailer, one of the things that I loved about it was in addition to Imelda Staunton, we got to see Claire Foy and hear Claire Foy again, who of course played Princess Elizabeth back and Queen Elizabeth in those early seasons and Olivia Coleman, who also played Queen Elizabeth. And it was just such a nice way of tying this series together. I've seen this last season and I'm trying not to spoil anything, but I was captivated. I cried. I was full of rage. I was full of happiness. It's really, really well done. And I'm super excited for people to see it. One thing that we know, as, as you just mentioned, those first four episodes will be about the royal family in the aftermath of the very tragic death of Princess Diana. And it's interesting to me because, I mean, you and I remember when that happened. We remembered when that was in the news. And to be watching this series retell stories that were relatively recent and in the consciousness of a lot of the people who are now watching the series. Jessica, I completely agree with you. There's so much recent nostalgia, everything from the fashions that look familiar to the music that they um, include in the episodes. It stirs up a lot of memories. As you know, The Crown is a fictionalized retelling of real events. And so there's some interesting scenes that are woven in. Creator Peter Morgan could have imagined um, how they unfolded. So it's a really, really well-constructed four episodes, though. And you can watch it itself almost like a miniseries. Considering this is the series finale and, you know, we have seen the story of, of this family since the 1930s, 40s, did you feel like it was complete for you as far as a series goes? As you said, this is not a docu-series. I felt the series stuck the ending really well, and I was satisfied in watching it. Wonderful. I can't wait to see this. As you said, Henry, part one of The Crown, the first four episodes of the final season out November 16th, and then the final six episodes out on December 14th. <laughs> 
Henry, there's a documentary that I am super excited about called Black Barbie, a documentary that is going to be coming to Netflix courtesy of Shonda Rhimes and Shondaland. And it follows the impact of three black women at Mattel and the impact that they had on the evolution of the Barbie brand. I had no idea about this story. And as we started digging in for prep for the show, like I had no idea that it was three women who were responsible. I had no idea it was recently as 1980. Like I naively and wrongly thought, oh, this must have been ha something that happened in the 60s, for example. So so I'm really excited to see this um, in Shonda Rhimes' hands. I imagine the story is going to be compelling and gripping and very, very well told. And I'm excited that's going to air on Netflix. Is it bad if I want this to be a scripted series also? Not at all. And of course, I want Kerry Washington to star as one of the women who helped develop Barbie. Yes, absolutely. Love that this documentary was made and I'm really looking forward to seeing it and just how the way that this documentary, I believe, will explore also how important it is for young children to be able to see themselves represented in their doll. I'm really looking forward to learning about these three women in particular. Robbie Williams is getting his own documentary, not one part, four part documentary series. And he's really going to talk about his decades of being this insanely successful recording artist. It coincides with the 25th anniversary of his solo career. Obviously, he was part of Take That as well. And I'm really looking forward to sort of digging in on his life. I love when you get to see a musician or someone who has a very public persona. Just you get to see them behind the scenes just being really raw and honest. It's so interesting because Robbie Williams is, of course, known worldwide, except kind of in the U.S. Jessica, can you name a Robbie Williams song? He did cover George Michael's Freedom at one point, right? <laughs> and I feel like that would be one answer. Um, his biggest song was Angels in 1997. I only know that because they made it into some dance remix I probably heard at a club back in the 90s. In some ways, this doc is going to be introducing him to a new audience as well, is my point. I am very much looking forward to seeing that, and that's going to premiere on November 8th. I feel like we've been talking about all of these fun things coming up and, you know, award-worthy things coming up. There's so much fun scary to watch, but there's also uh, really scary scary to watch. And there is a four-part docu-series that is out now called Big Vape, The Rise and Fall of Jewel. That's J-U-U-L as in the E-cigarette, not as in the singer in her van in Alaska. And it is a four-part series. It premieres on October 11th. It's from R.J. Cutler, who, if you know anything about documentaries and docuseries, you certainly know the name R.J. Cutler. He's an incredible director. I watched all four episodes of this, watching the rise of this company that had pretty noble intentions of breaking the addiction that a lot of people have to nicotine cigarettes and just how things went so horribly awry and they marketed toward young children and their responsibility in the addiction that a lot of teenagers have now to e-cigarettes and it's just a really really interesting look at this issue. And this story is only five years old. They were valued at $38 billion, um, in the market by 2018 and to just see the spectacular collapse is both rewarding because of all the damage they did and also just it's an insane story and, and RJ Cutler's hands it's really really well done 
Yeah, and like you said, this was a company that was worth nearly $40 billion, billion with a B, and that now it is worth, I don't know what they say, something like 5% of that amount, a fraction of what it was worth at one point. And, and just watching the absolute fall of what was expected to be this giant company is, is really quite riveting. I'm super excited about one of RJ Cutler's next projects because he's directing a Martha Stewart documentary for Netflix with her participation, of course. And I think it's just going to be fantastic and revealing and super exciting and sort of must watch TV. Can you confirm this is going to be a 793 episode docuseries? I can. It may swell to 802 episodes. I'm not entirely sure yet. But yes, there will be hundreds of episodes, of course. Oh, how I cannot wait for this. I remember interviewing Martha Stewart once for Entertainment Weekly. At the time, she still had her ankle bracelet post-prison on, and it was just so fascinating. She was wearing, you know, a very classy pantsuit, as Martha Stewart is wont to do. But if she crossed her legs, you could see that ankle bracelet. Jessica, so many questions right now. A, did you go to her house? If only I did not. B, did her pantsuit match the ankle bracelet? Did she accessorize it? I don't remember. I think that they were all neutral or neutral adjacent tones. C, what was she promoting? I'm trying to remember. Like, Could it have been for her season of The Apprentice? That's what I was wondering. For those of you who don't know, she did a season of The Apprentice after Donald Trump stepped down. Yeah, it very well could have been for that. And listen, for what it's worth, she was absolutely delightful. And as a lot of people know now in this post, everyone's seen her joking around with Snoop and on different shows and everything. And she has such a great sense of humor and a sense of humor about herself that I think in the hands of R.J. Cutler, asking the questions and having cameras on her, this has so much potential to be a really fascinating story. I mean, the rise to fame and to just being this unbelievable brand and then the way people came after her and then the reinvention. I just I'm already I'm already looking forward to the series. And D, final question. Is she one of the most beautiful celebrities you've ever interviewed? Oh, absolutely. Did you see the Sports Illustrated cover? I know. That's why I asked. Yes. 100%. While we're on the subject of sexy septuagenarians or sexy octogenarians, I recommend Jacqueline Smith from Charlie's Angels as a follow on Instagram. She is one of the most beautiful celebrities I've ever met and interviewed. And I want to look like the male equivalent of that when I'm in my late 70s. I want to look like that now. Um, and I will say I do follow her and she has figured out lighting. I'm just going to say that she has figured out lighting. When you're not looking at Jacqueline Smith's Instagram, there are other things to look at this month, this month of Halloween, where a lot of people want to see some scary movies and some amazingly creepy series. And up on todoom.com, there's a full list of so many things that you can watch. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to be talking about The Fall of the House of Usher, which is a new series, of course, based on the Edgar Allan Poe short story. And I'm looking forward to that. But Henry, tell me about some like great Halloween programming that you are going to be sure to watch this month. Let's start with series, Jessica. Netflix has some beloved series that have many, many, many seasons that you can dive in for an October binge. There are 15 seasons of Supernatural starring Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles. 
it's a show that many, many people have loved and watched over and over again. They play brothers who are hunting demons and all sorts of assorted other bad things in the universe, and it's incredibly entertaining. Along those lines, we also have The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is a different take on Sabrina, the Archie Comics character. It is not a comedy like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, rather a very horror-forward look starring Kieran Shipka, what it's like for a young girl to walk into and claim her witch powers and everything that can go wrong with that. That was done by Greg Berlanti, who of course did a Riverdale as well and um, is a great series and a great, quick, lovely binge. There's a few other ones that I loved as well. Lucifer is a show that I think is so great, certainly has a major, major cult following and that whole series is up on Netflix as well as Wednesday, which I mean, doesn't need our help talking about it. That is up there as well. Season one, cannot wait for season two. And then of course, so much Stranger Things. So much Stranger Things. Um, Jessica, before we leave Wednesday, I wanted to say that if you go to Tudum.com, we have Scoop on Wednesday season two. I'm not going to spoil a lot of it here. I'll head over there and we'll be able to tell you a little bit about what's going on in the next season. Why aren't you spoiling it here? <laughs> Fair enough. Tell me something. Give me one tiny tease about season two. All right. Jenna Ortega says, and this is a little cryptic, but bear with me. Everything about Wednesday is cryptic. Um, she says, Wednesday sticks to her guns and she's not out to please anybody, which as someone who used to be an immense people pleaser, I really respect. That is her tease for season two. One of the things I love about the 8 billion Halloween and just creepy universe adjacent things that are on Netflix right now and this month, the fact that there are legitimately really friggin' scary things you can watch. And then there are things that like for the wimpy among us like myself, who I watch, I mean, listen, there's some commercials that I have to look away from. And I like that there's something for everyone. If you're a little bit more on the scaredy cat side, Henry, what's your pick? Jessica, I can't vouch if this is going to be something for scaredy cats completely, but the premise just has me hooked. It's called Disco Inferno. It's coming out October 20th, and the logline is, in the summer of 73, Brandon and Mel are young, expecting parents who go to the hottest disco in town, Disco Inferno, to blow off some steam. Upon arrival, they must fight for their lives when an evil apparition threatens to take their unborn child. Now, I watched a few minutes of this, and... The disco itself somehow is like Studio 54, but also inside a gothic church. So I'm not sure how they reconcile it, but I'm intrigued and I want to see a lot more of it. You know how sometimes you're on Netflix and you're looking at your options and there's something that just sounds so insane and you've never heard anyone talk about it that you just click on it because you're like, I have no idea what this is going to end up being. Uh, that's how I feel about Frankenstein's Monsters Monster Frankenstein, which is a 32-minute mockumentary starring David Harbour. Who does David Harbour play in this 32-minute mockumentary? He plays David Harbour III. He plays David Harbour Jr. He plays Dr. Frankenstein. And he plays the monster. I mean, listen, if you are a Stranger Things fan, I feel like you would need to be a completist and watch whatever is going on in this show because I know I will. Jessica, that sounds amazing. And anytime that somebody can play three versions of themselves, I'm kind of there. In a second, I'm going to bring in Philippe Tao to talk about the fall of the House of Usher based on the Edgar Allan Poe story. Henry, thank you so much for talking scary movies. Now go trick-or-treating, Henry. Go get yourself a full-size candy bar. Jessica, I'm super excited to go trick-or-treating, but please pray for me that I don't get any raisinets. <laughs> 
Well, we can't have a scary conversation without talking about Edgar Allan Poe, of course, and the new series, The Fall of the House of Usher, starts streaming today. It stars Bruce Greenwood as Roderick Usher, and that is one dysfunctional family. So happy to be joined by Philippe Tao to talk all about this new series. Hey, Philippe. Hey, thanks so much for having me. All right, so why don't you set up this series? We're all very well-versed in Edgar Allan Poe, but just for like, I don't know, the one or two people who aren't. Definitely. So Mike Flanagan's latest series takes a spin on Edgar Allan Poe's most famous works. And so it's named after his 1839 short story. Basically, the show follows these twin siblings named Roderick and Madeline Usher, and they've built this incredible but also flawed pharmaceutical company called Fortunato. And mysteriously, one by one, each of Roderick's children begin to die brutal deaths in these freak accidents. Let's talk about some of the cast because, I mean, I love Bruce Greenwood and a lot of this, especially initially, is done almost in interview form. It's like, pull up a chair and I'm going to tell you a horror story. In this piece, he really plays such an evil patriarch that you just can't stop watching. Carla Gugino, her character, we'll see in various times, in various wardrobes, she is one creepy character. Yeah, she's just this really mysterious woman who morphs into different incarnations and appears to each of the children right before their deaths. And without giving too much away, she's just very mysterious. And throughout the series, you really come to learn the real reason why she appears to the ushers and haunts them. Mark Hamill is also in the series playing the Usher family lawyer. And so it's really a stacked cast of familiar faces from Mike's previous works, but also some newer faces as well. Why is it so much damn fun to see Mark Hamill? In this one especially, he's helping out the bad guys, and so it's just really fun to see him being tethered between all of these really evil characters. Philippe, you mentioned Mike Flanagan, the creator of this series. I know him from Haunting of Hill House and from the series Doctor Sleep, but tell me about Mike. What is his place in the horror genre? Yeah, so I mean, he got to start really with, you know, Oculus, Hush. Ouija Origin of Evil, and now fans of horror know him with Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass. The thing I really love about Mike Flanagan, he grew up in Salem, Massachusetts, and as we all know, Salem is like the heart of the witch trials, Halloween, and so he really gravitated towards horror because of his upbringing there. And since you are a huge fan of horror, as you watched this series, I don't know, what did it remind you of? Like, were there different things where you thought, oh my gosh, that is so, I don't know, Exorcist, or oh my gosh, that reminds me so much of, of this series or this book or whatever? Yeah, I mean, gothic horror, I really love that specific genre in general, and so if you really love gothic horror, you know, the set and the scenes, it's dreary, it's dark, there's so much beautiful color. The Usher home is run down, crickety, right? And so it's everything you would want in horror, but I think because he couples it so well with a modern humor, you get a bit of both the old gothic horror, but then a modern take on it. So I think it makes for a really fascinating, but just a really wild watch of an adventure. Is that what Mike tends to do, that he marries humor with horror? He does, but I think in this one, more so than his past works, because I think this show explores big topics like wealth, greed, privilege, and power. And in a way, you kind of have to have humor to poke fun at these really wealthy and unlikable people. And so when you see them, they die in such brutal accidents. It's bloody and it's gory. At times, a little bit funny too, right? You're watching people get karma. So I think 
the use of humor in the show is really smart. I mean, there is death in every episode. And yet when you watch it, there's specifically, I believe it's in the first episode, this dance party that has horrible consequences. But even watching it, watching how Mike Flanagan built this set and shot it, it is absolutely stunning to look at. I mean, you look like you're just like walking through this museum of gothic art. It's gorgeous. And then the end, I think that specific scene people are going to be talking and thinking about. I know Carla said in her interview with Netflix how out of all her days of shooting, that scene was her most difficult to shoot, just given the set, the people, her costume. So I'm excited for people to see that scene play out. Thank you for joining me, Philippe. The Fall of the House of Usher is out now. And Big Vape, The Rise and Fall of Jewel is also out now. Next week, we're going to be talking about Neon, which is a new series about a rising reggaeton singer in Miami. We're also going to talk about The Devil on Trial. But until then, enjoy your spooky season, and we'll see you next week. 